right. Are you ready for today? I don't think you're ready for today. I don't think you're ready for today. Uh, I know I'm not ready for today. (laughs) Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, So many of you may know that uh, this morning we had the plans of Mark Malding being here, not me, uh, author of God's Best Kept Secret. Um, However, God had other plans, and uh, I just trust him that his plans are better than mine. And uh, we had, I don't know, 13, 15 inches of snow yesterday, which caused Mark's plane on Friday night to get delayed, and then he didn't get here uh, yesterday either. And so um, we're thinking, how do we pivot? How do we, how, do we do, uh, how do we do this? What do we do next? And I have to give credit where credit's due. Yesterday morning at breakfast, uh, we're sitting at the dining room t- table watching the snowfall, uh, and I'm sitting here going, God, this is not my message. Like, this is, it's, my, it's, it's become my message, but Mark does it so much better than me. And uh, Anna just goes, why don't you just continue the Q&A from last week tomorrow? And so my sweet Anna gave us the great idea that uh, we are going to carry on last week's conversation of shameless relationships, uh, not, not my plan, but God's plan, and uh, thank goodness we were able to, through communication, uh, through technology, uh, we were able to sit down with Mark Malding yesterday, and there is an hour and 15 minute video on our Facebook page, also on our website, by the way, uh, you can watch the video on our website um, listen, there's, there are podcasts that are a lot longer than an hour and 15 minutes. I would encourage you, highly, highly encourage you. Uh, Dave Moxie up front said to me this morning, he goes, um, it's not oftentimes that you can have a man drop that much knowledge from God in that amount of time. It was such a great, great deal, like such a great time and I would just encourage you all to go watch the video. Also, we are giving away, everyone in the house today gets a copy of God's Best Kept Secret. We're still giving that away. Make sure you get a copy. If you don't want a copy, guess what? You don't have to take a copy. Um, we're, not mar- we're not twisting your arm and saying, you will take this book and take it and put it on your bookshelf and read it. And we're not going to make anybody do any of that. Uh, we're, we just want to give you a gift uh, Last year, I think years past, I was thinking about all the things that we've done for our birthday. We've done cake a lot. We've done cupcakes. What else have we done? We've done. Who doesn't love cupcakes, right? We donuts. We've done a donut. Like we've done all kinds of things. T-shirts. We did T-shirts one year. That was listen. What we're giving out this year is so much better than cupcakes. So much better than than T-shirts. And some of you guys are like cupcakes. I get it. I love me some cupcakes. Come back next year. Maybe we'll have cupcakes. But this year we've got, we've got a book that changed my life. And as we pivoted, I sat down with Mark after our video yesterday, and I said, Mark, um, let's get something else on the calendar. I would love to be able to announce it tomorrow. I don't have to. And so we don't have anything set in stone. However, uh, he shot me over some dates. And uh, God just revealed to me that I had the wrong birthday. And my birthday is April the 24th, and Mark will be here on April the 23rd. So 
Um, he's still coming. Uh, I, but, but because today's the Refuse Church's birthday, I can give his book away, and you can receive it and take it and, and, and then come back on the 23rd and, uh, and be so much more prepared to hear the servant of God. You have six weeks to study for six, your test now. Six weeks to study for your test. Uh, and it, it's going to take you all six weeks to read that book because um, it's phenomenal. So uh, we're going to get into some questions that you asked uh, for last week. If you want to put that right there. Thank you. Um, and can I just say, God evidently wanted these questions answered. He's already answered the questions, uh, and, and I, I believe he's given us the answers to the test. So uh, we're going to do our best to continue the conversation. Jeff, get us started, man. All right. Thank you. Happy birthday to the refuge. Um, this is awesome. Uh, these guys keep making me dress up even more and more every week. So I told him. Listen, I told him it looks like a game show. Like three piece like, suit today. The, like we bought a new microphone so that Mark could could use it, and then we're like, how are we going to test the new mic? Well, we we figured with Good this, job. and then and then he comes up wearing a vest and tie, yeah, and I'm like, like dude, you're out. You're, you just tried to outdress me today, didn't you? <laughs> I'd have to wear a tuxedo next time if we do this again. <laughs> Give out roses. By the way, by the way, so uh, real quick, you, you said next time. And that, this is the way this is going to go, by the way. It's just a conversation. Um, so I thought, and I said to Tanya, I go, I feel like we need to answer the rest of the questions. Uh, so let's plan on a, a Q&A series. And so uh, I had it in my mind to do it in May, but God had it in his mind to do it today. And uh, so we're doing it today. But uh, this summer, summer 2023, we're going to do a series on Q&A. So. All right. Get your tux. What would you say? Get your right. tux. Get yeah. ready. Get ready. I had to call and rent it now. <laughs> so uh, I, really, I couldn't use a microphone last, last time. Couldn't figure out how to use it right. So that's what this is really all about. So just makes it easy for me. Uh, we're going to start this off. First question is going to be for Pastor Tanya. So uh, this question is related to being un unequally yoked in family, friend, and co-worker relationships. Could you please clarify biblically as to how closely God wants us to relate to in these relationships? So I'm not going to make the assumption that everybody's like tracking right with what the question is. Uh, so what they're asking is uh, about faith in these relationships. When you don't line up faith-wise uh, in your family relationships and your friend relationships, how close should you still be in those relationships? Um, a year ago, actually, it was February uh, 2022, uh, we did a relationship series called Relationship Matters. And one of the weeks I spoke, and I spoke on uh, placement, placement of relationships. So placements matter. And that's the first thing that I want to hit on here. There's two relationships they were asking about, family relationship and friend relationship. So first, on the family relationship, we touched on divorce already last week. If you didn't uh, catch last week's message, you can go back to our website, refugemain.church slash messages, and listen back to that. Um, but uh, the verse that we used to base that answer was, for the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. So that's a family relationship. And so I'm going to 
uh, take some liberty here to extend that to your family also, your family of origin, that you can bring holiness to that relationship. So your family needs you more than you know, but your family also needs you more than they know. And so when it comes to your family relationships, when the faith is in, al- in an alignment, that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to back off. Mark had actually touched on that yesterday in our um, Q&A with him. He said that his son told him, Dad, we're just too different. And he said that he recognized that as the enemy trying to drive a wedge between them. And Mark said, yeah, we are different, but that doesn't mean that we can't still be in relationship together. So when it comes to your family, um, you, you are the one that's able to bring the holiness into that relationship. When it comes to your friends, so the placement Uh, series talked a lot about this. Um, But the big idea from that message was that even though we value people equally, people don't add value equally. And you can think about different people in your life that you're like, I mean, some people suck the life out of you. And some people like you're a better person when you're around them. You're energized by being around them. You're inspired by being around them. Um, There are no bad people. There's actually just bad placements. Mm. And so there's sometimes that I've I've had relationship problems, and I look and uh, evaluate that relationship and say, maybe I had that person too close. Maybe I gave too much access, or maybe I just gave too much access quickly, and they in turn hurt me, or maybe I hurt them because I put more on them, or I had greater expectation than what they were willing to give. And so your placements matter in your relationships. The relationships, when I talked uh, a year ago, relationships are concentric circles. And so as you get uh, smaller, you're closer to the center. And so the people who are closest to me, I can't have 100 people that are my like nearest, dearest friends that know the intimate details of my life. It's just not possible to I manage can. a relationship. You're in the inner circle. You're good. <laughs> uh, but when I talk about there's no bad people, there's bad placements, you're like, okay, well, what about the murderer? Well, they're in the like furthest outside relationship you know like there's just people make mistakes and and so what we need to do with our own relationships is determine where they belong in our placement of circles of relationships and so if you're uh you guys have probably heard the saying if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room I will extend that to if you're the holiest person in the room you're in the wrong room and so for me personally I want to be in relationships with people that inspire me to go deeper in my relationship with God, that I can ask difficult questions to, that I can model my life after. And so you're asking how close should you be with those people? You should have people in your life that are where you want to be. The second thing that matters, placement matters, but prayer matters. And so you need to be close enough to the people who are unbelievers. You need to be close enough that you are praying for their salvation. Charles Spurgeon had a great quote. It's, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap over hell, leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Did you hear that? That was the sound of a bomb dropping. That was Spurgeon. That wasn't me. Um, But he's dead, so I can claim that. That was me. Um, (laughs) You also need to be close enough to be able to pray for their daily needs. So I don't just want to pray for people uh, as a generic, you know, God bless them and be with them and help them to find faith. I want to pray for their daily needs. I want to pray for what their struggles are because guess what? They probably don't have friends that are doing that. And so I want to know about their life. 
Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So yes, we're going to do good to those in the family of faith. But before that, he says everyone. So that would mean the people outside of the family of faith. The Greek, when we get into the phrase, we should do, um, that actually means to toil, to affect, to be engaged in or with. And so if you apply that Greek definition, it would read, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should be engaged with everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So that's my answer. Good job. Right. Excellent. So uh, this next one, uh, we'll, we'll say that this is kind of a heavy hitter, if you will. So I'll, I'll preempt it with, uh, we live in a world uh, where there's just a lot of opinions. It's not always comfortable to have this conversation. But here's a question that's timely, and it's a hot topic for the country right now. Jeez, Jeff. I know, right? Like, you can get that one. I got to set it up for you. Can I just say that last week I was insulted that she was like, you gave me all the hard questions. So I was like, I'll show you. You're getting the tough one. Uh, but I, I know this question's coming. So just prepare yourselves. It's a tough one. It is. So the question is, uh, how do you respond in love and scripture based on friends or even Christians who are embracing allowing their children to think about being transgender or even becoming transgender? I have prayed about how to answer this question. It's one that we have to ask, but it's one that we don't always like the answer to. And I just, I just, I just prayed, Father, please help me answer it. And so I've had a few different scriptures jumping around in my, in my head uh, about this one. Jeff said it correctly. We're, this is a timely question. And because it's timely, we're not going to run away from it. We're going to run toward it. Because anytime you see a fire or a car accident, you don't run away from that saying, I shouldn't do anything to help it. When you have the water, you run towards it so that you can put it out. That's what we're going to do. We believe that God has given us the answer in his word. I want to read a scripture for you. And then I want to read a quote from, from Mark's book. And then I want, to, I want to tell you about another story in scripture. So that's I'm going to answer this question. The first scripture I want to point us towards is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. This is why, this is why we struggle with this. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or are worship, idol, worship or sorry, or who worship idols or commit adultery or any male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards, or are abusive people, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think Paul just, just about covered every kind of sin that he could right there. Every single one. From the greedy to the sexual sin, sexual immoral. He covered them all. He was making sure he touched on every type of sinner. No one gets a pass. And what does it say? What did we just read the last part? None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. It's not singling any sin out. It's addressing all of them. Verse 11. I love that the first line. Some of you were once like that. We were all sinners. We are all sinners. Some of us have received Jesus and had our sin wiped away, meaning that we're no longer a sinner, we're a saint because of Jesus. That's good news. And the good news is, is that all those people that he mentioned have the opportunity to become a saint as well, every single one of them. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Here's what I have to realize, and here's what I have to remember. I always have to keep in my view of what I was. I was a sinner just like that. But Jesus saved me. And as a believer in Jesus, as someone that is holy, I have the obligation to point people that are still in sin to what is holy. That makes some of us uncomfortable. You know why that makes us uncomfortable? Because we don't know, as the body of Christ, we don't know how to point people to holiness. We've gotten it wrong. We thought it was a megaphone on the street corner with a sign raised in the air saying, turn or burn. That's not the approach that Jesus took. From page 40 and 41 of the book that we're giving away today. For example, it's fine to desire your wife's love and respect, but you cannot demand it. If you are demanding it, you've turned your desire into expectation, which puts your wife under the law. In other words, you have put her under a standard that you expect her to live up to for you. Here's the line. God doesn't want us to put people under the law, but under grace. Once you have put them under once we have put them under our own law, we are living with an illegitimate right. Here's the bottom line. 
it is not my right to tell a parent, you can't let your child be a transgender. It's not my right. I don't have the right to do that. But it is my obligation to point them to the love of Jesus. Now, we live in a world where people are saying, you can't show me. If you're going to show me the love of Jesus, you have to affirm what I'm saying. Jesus never affirmed sin. Jesus, I'll say that again. Jesus never affirms sin. We just read. The Apostle Paul classifies this in a long list of sins. Anybody sweating yet? Just you. Just me? John chapter 8. There's a story of a woman that was caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. The religious men took her and put her before Jesus. They didn't take the man. The, the, the law stated that both the man and the woman would be put to death, would be stoned to death. However, they don't grab, they don't grab them both. They grab the woman why did they only grab the woman and not the man either, both? Why didn't they grab both of them? The reason is, is because it wasn't about the woman. It was about Jesus. And oftentimes, when we're asked the question of how we handle these things, how we approach people, sometimes it's to trap us. Sometimes it's to trap you. How did Jesus respond when he was tried to be trapped? He says to the religious men, pick up your rocks. Or sorry, he that is without sin, you throw the first stone. He says, all right, you stoner, but if you're without sin, you throw the first stone and all the men drop their rocks and they walk out the room. The fact of the matter is, is we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The men walk, and then he's left with just the naked woman, Jesus, standing next to the naked woman. And what does he look to her and say? He looks to her and says, go and sin no more. I have a better life for you. How do you love the question? How do you show a parent who is showing their child or, or allowing their child to choose a life, let's just say it this way, to choose a life that you don't believe that they should? I'll leave you with a quote from yesterday's video. Mark said, Mark said the real story is helping people find God's story. As a follower of Jesus, it is our job to point people to Jesus always. How do we do that in disagreement in today's society? 
G-R-A-C-E. Grace. Grace is always the answer to sin. When I pull up to the table next to my father, whom I have disappointed so much, and he looks at me in the eyes, and he says, son, I love you. There's nothing that makes me want to serve him more than his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Show them the grace of Jesus. That's the answer. All right. That is the answer. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I'm not going to let you off the hook, though, yet. So we're going to continue row? with you. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm watering my beard here. I know, I know. Oh my water gosh. Mine. Listen, I know that that, that answer, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make some of you mad on both sides of the aisle. However, I believe that's what scripture shows us. If you don't, I welcome, Adam at refugemain.church, please. Send me all the hate email. I'll forward it to Tanya. <laughs> That's good. All right, here we go. Another one for you. Uh, is it God's will if your family and pastor are against your relationship? Yeah. Um, is it God's will for your family and pastor to be against your relationship? I'm, I'm assuming that this isn't is it God's will for your pastor or your family to be against the relationship? But I'm assuming that it's, is the relationship God's will? Uh, that's the way I'm going to receive that, that question. If it, uh, and so I'm just going to answer it that way. Um, it sounds to me like whoever submitted this, and I don't know who it was, but whoever submits is trying to justify a relationship. Um, and, and maybe that's not the case. If it's not, again, Adam at refugemain.church, you can send me the email. Psalm 19:12 says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. The truth is, there are times in my life that I need someone to say to me, Adam, you're wrong. A few weeks ago, I was with Mark, and he referred to this yesterday in our, in our call and its prayer. I was with Mark, and he said to me, he goes, Adam, it is a sin to beat yourself up over something that God has already paid for. I don't know why you're saying, yeah, he was talking to me. And I was like, ouch. But he was right. He confronted it. And I confessed it. Because he confronted it. The fact is, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is easily broken. Not easily broken. Sorry. 
I'm shook up by that last question still. Triple braid cord is not easily broken. We have to have people to point out our blind spots. If you don't believe your relationship is a blind spot and your pastor is telling you that it is or your family is telling you that it is, then maybe it's time that you open your eyes. I also saw the irony that you asked the pastor what you do with the pastor and against the relationship. For the record, we put this, this phone number with questions out on social media. Yeah. This could be someone not that's be not in our church. Right. This could be someone with another pastor. I'm for all relationships. Psh. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. All right. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a break here. So, Thank you. Um, Gee, we'll move over to, uh, this one's for Tanya. And how do you live out an authentic love relationship while being respectful to your leaders and mentors? So uh, this one, we don't know who submitted it, but this was actually a piggyback question on the previous question. So they submitted two questions. Um, So because it's a piggyback question, uh, taking that into context, I believe that they're asking, what do I do when I disagree with my mentor? And so I'm going to answer it as that. And so uh, one of my favorite Bible stories, characters, um, just books in the Bible, uh, it's First and Second Kings, talking about Elijah. So Elijah was a prophet. Um, just there's so many amazing stories of Elijah, but he was a mentor also. Um, he had a guy, and I'm probably going to at some point in this recap butcher the names because it's Elijah is mentoring Elisha. Okay, so just keep that in mind. If I flip the name, just Adam at RefugeMain.Church. <laughs> so in the mentor relationships, Elijah and Elisha. So Elijah approaches Elisha uh, while Elisha is out plowing a field. He throws his cloak across him as a sign that he selected Elisha to become his apprentice, to follow him. And so we pick up with this in 1 Kings 19. Um, Verses 19, I'm going to read down through 21. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak across his shoulders, and walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So what we're seeing here is a divine flow relationship. The the cloak that Elijah uses that he puts on Elisha as he's plowing There was actually, uh, the Holy Spirit was infused in this cloak, Um, and we actually can support that by the miracles that we see performed with this cloak. Later on in the book, uh, we see Elijah uses that cloak to hit the Jordan River, and it parts. Um, When Elijah is actually taken to heaven in a whirlwind, the cloak is left behind. Elisha picks it up, performs the same miracle, strikes the Jordan, and it parts again. 
And so as this cloak touches Elisha, he knew that something special was happening. He knew that there was this divine flow. Have you ever had a relationship that it just starts and you just know immediately, like this is going to be a special relationship? It's easy. Conversation is easy. You leave the room um, after being with that person. You just feel better about your situation, your life. Um, It's just, it's a person that you want more time with. And so that's what we're seeing in this mentor relationship. Um, And so divine flow relationships is why you have that mentor. There was something with that relationship that you had a divine flow, whether it's uh, your pastor or just a mentor that you're leaning into, that there's something there that you want more of, that they're making you a better person. I talked earlier about, I don't want to be the holiest person in the room. Um, And so there's that person that you're like, "I I need to learn more. I need to lean in. So the divine flow relationship they can still run into a disagreement. And so we see that happen, like right off the bat, as that relationship begins, Elisha immediately asks for a compromise. So Elijah's like, hey, tosses the cloak and is like, come on, let's go. And Elisha's like, hold up, let me go back and, and say goodbye to my family first. And Elijah actually concedes. He's like, all right, that's, you know, go ahead and do what you have to, but think about what I just asked you to do. And so what does Elisha do? He's actually probably walking back and is like, you know what, this is my shot. Like, this is my opportunity. And so it doesn't even say that he goes back and says goodbye to his parents. He goes and breaks the plow, uses that as fire, kills the oxen, feeds it to the townspeople, because that's probably a lot of meat, uh, 12 teams of oxen. And so he, what he actually does is he cuts all ties with his past. That was probably his past, like his his family heritage. And that was probably also his future. That was his security plan that he had these fields that he was responsible for. And so what Elisha does is that he sees that this divine flow relationship is worth cutting ties with your past. Divine flow relationships are worth prioritizing. Elisha left everything he knew from his past and everything he was planning on for his future to still be in that divine flow relationship. And so that question, how do you live out an authentic love relationship while being respectful to your leaders and mentors? Just because there's a disagreement doesn't mean that you can't still be in that relationship. You're actually, I said it last week, if you don't go there, you can't grow there. And so you're, you're going to have times where you come into that relationship and you're like, okay, hey, I disagree with this. And so that's just a, an opportunity for a conversation. We see that happen with Elijah and Elisha. And so when you respect that person, you respect their opinion. Just because I respect somebody's opinion doesn't mean that I agree with them 100%. Adam and I don't agree with things 100%. And so that means that... I told you not to tell anybody that. <laughs> Big secret. And so there are times that you have to come down and have a heart-to-heart conversation and just say, help me understand why are you living this way? Help me understand why you believe this way. Help me understand why this is important to you. And so when you go there, then you can grow in that relationship. But I will say that your divine flow relationships are worth fighting for more than anything else. Those are the relationships that you need to protect. And like Adam had talked about, when you have a blind spot, you've invited that mentor, that divine flow relationship person into your life to speak to those blind spots. So I would say it would be really foolish not to pause and consider what it is that that person has to tell you. My goodness. That's good. Will you be my friend? Like, (laughs) holy cow. All right, we're going to give this last one to both of you so to to answer, so it'll be a combo. And uh, in any relationship, sometimes fear can take the advantage. 
So what can one do to embrace fear rather than letting it take over? Yeah, I, th- I think we answered this in one of the services last week, but we just said we're, we'll put it in both of them this week. Um, the, uh, the scripture that comes to mind anytime fear is mentioned in my life, for crying out loud, I'm afraid every Sunday morning I get here, I'm like, I don't know who's going to, first of all, I don't know who's going to show up to church today. And second of all, I have to get up on stage and, and talk. It's not, it's not natural to do that. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm afraid of a lot of things. But the scripture that always comes to mind is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. But I want to read for you verses 5 through 7. It says this, I remember your genuine faith. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his protege, Timothy. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. We need people, just like Tanya was talking about. We need people that we'll have divine flow with that will fan the power, love, and self-discipline in our lives more than fan the fear in our lives. That's why we have small groups, so that you can find your type of weird that will fan the power, love, and self-discipline in your life. Because we need people to show us that God doesn't give us fear. That spirit, and and in fact, I need someone to say to me, Adam, that spirit of fear that you're having right now, that's not from God. There are times in my life that I have things in my life. I I have feelings. I have a lot of feelings. But I need somebody to tell me those feelings aren't from God. So. Uh, when I first started to answer this, I just typed, fear is a liar. No, no, no. But that's actually not true because I am deathly afraid of snakes. Like, I have outrun my children before when I saw. I'm not <laughs> proud. I'm just confessing. If I, I didn't, s- by the way. I didn't. That's why they're still here. <laughs> If I see a snake, I'm, like, gone. There was one time, quick story, Adam and I were hiking down uh, in, like, almost Southern Kentucky. Illinois, the south. Yeah. And so, super rocky. Uh, I thought, like, this is going to be so much fun. Like, the kids were in Boston still, and I was like, let's just, it was Father's Day. Like, let's just go on a hike. This is back when we were, like, into that stuff and, like, fit. And so, <laughs> we're, like, we make the hike, and it's this, like, super rocky. It's a national park. Um, and so, we, because I'm an Instagram girl, I was like, let's take a selfie. And so, I set up a phone on a rock and set the timer. Adam goes out on the rock. I'm like making sure all the things are right. And as I start to walk out to him standing kind of on the ledge, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a big fat copperhead coiled up under the rock. And so being the good wife that I was, you went, and then I just ran. I didn't, I didn't tell him. I didn't say anything. Couldn't even get it out. And so we had this like selfie, like the camera goes off of Adam standing on the edge like this. 
And I'm like, gone. Can we find that picture and post it later? <laughs> we should. Yeah, we should find that picture and post it later. So, but that's my fear, right? But that's actually wisdom because you shouldn't put a copper head in your pocket. Like, that's just not <laughs> smart. And so their, their fear does have a place. Same, like, that feeling that I get when I see a snake is the same mm, feeling good. when you're driving a car and you start to hide your plane and you're like, ooh, like, I don't know what's about to happen, but it's not going to be good. It's, it's fear that's kind of signaling you into fight or flight. And so fear does have a place. However, fear does not have a place in relationships. Our relationship with God is our model, always, right? And so when we look at 1 John 4.18, it says, Such love, this is talking about God's love if you go up a couple verses. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So when it comes to relationships, fear has no place. However, I already talked about this with placements. Discernment does have a place. So if you're in relationship with somebody and you get a check in your spirit, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go there with this person. That's not fear. That's discernment. That's wisdom. Fine. Exercise that. But if there's fear holding you back from entering into any relationship, that's not of God. That's of the enemy. And he wants you to stay in isolation. So that is the type of fear that you can snake run it from and just be like, nope, like, I'm not going to do that, but discernment over fear. My goodness. Will you marry me? I'll get back to you. <laughs> hey, stand to your feet. Let's pray. Did you guys enjoy this today? You know, we had a, a couple of different endings uh, because we didn't know how long this would take, to be honest. Uh, we should have known that we'd go right up to the, to the wire. Uh, but I was, I was going to share a little bit of what, what God's been showing me through, through my relationship with Mark. That's for another day. I believe what was said today was the exact thing that the Refuge Church needed today. Truth is, there's a lot of, we covered a lot of ground from from fear in our relationships to how we handle relationships where something, someone's doing something that we don't agree with. In fact, that God doesn't agree with. You know the thing that Mark has taught me the most? He's taught me the, the importance of grace. In fact, he said to me, Adam, I'll come to your church because you're a grace guy now. And I know that your church is a grace church. We are a church that is walking in the grace of God. And I know that we are no longer under the law. We're no longer under the, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this in order to follow God. We are now under the grace that because you are under my grace and because you have faith, it is through your faith, by my grace, that you're saved. I know, it's like the story I just told, 
I know when I'm in a room with my dad and I have messed up and there have been moments where my goodness, I messed up. My dad looked at me and he said, Adam, I love you. Disappointed because the path that you were taking wasn't mine, wasn't my desire for you. But I'm still right here. I can't help but to think that maybe some of you in this room have been on a path that hasn't been God's path. I want you to know that God isn't the type of God that says, you can't come to me. He says, no, that's why you must come to me. Because I love you. And I've got a much better story for you. Would you close your eyes? Pray with me this morning. If you're in the room and you're saying, I've never heard Maybe you have heard. Maybe you just haven't heard it this way. I've never realized that God loves me so much that he accepts me just as I am. But he refuses to leave me in that spot. And I need the love of a father today. The kind of love that says, even though you've messed up, I've forgiven you. I believe the Bible teaches us that when we come to Jesus for forgiveness, he forgives us for all of our past and all of our future. He is a never ending God. He, was, he always existed. Therefore, he can forgive us for all of our sins that have ever existed. But we must call on the name Jesus. If you're here today and you want to call on the name Jesus, here's what I want to do. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to raise your hand and put it up and hold it up high and just hold it there so that I can see it. Anybody else? If your hand is in the air, here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you. And I want you to understand that it's not that just in this moment that everything changes. It's that this is a commitment to follow Jesus because his love is worthy of following. Say this prayer with me. In fact, the entire room would you repeat after me out loud so that we can all experience this together? Say, God, 
I need you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Forgive me for them by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Forgive me by the resurrection. Help me live in new identity. That is Jesus. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you had your hand in the air, there's a card in front of you. We want to know. We want to celebrate. Just fill out that card and mark it. Whatever applies, just there's a circle that says, I'm committing to follow Jesus. Would you mark that and drop it in the black box so that we can know your name and we can celebrate you? I hope. I hope you're glad you came to church today. I had a plan. God had a better plan. Let's sing. Let's celebrate that God has met us here again. And then let's go out and tell the world that Jesus loves him.